Great. Thank you very much and welcome back after lunch. Um, I've got great pleasure in introducing Dana Day. Um, Dana is director at CFA Institute looking after uh, institutional partnerships. Um, before that she uh, was at Alliance Bernstein both in London and New York um, and most recently actually looking after um, business development at uh, Aviva um, for global financial institutions. Um, Dana's going to share thoughts on ethics and the practical side of that. Now, as I'm sure anyone that's ever attempted a CFA exam will know, there's a lot of emphasis placed on that. Um, they give you a thorough examination on the code of ethics and also the standards of professional conduct. Um, but the intricacies always come in the practical side of it, as you find out in the exam as well. Um, so it'll be good to have her thoughts on that and sharing her experiences. So welcome to South Africa, and it's great having you. Okay, my first and most important question. Anybody solve the puzzle? Anybody want to share their solution to the puzzle? We have, can we have a microphone? This gentleman is dying to share his solution. I'll disclose, my mother's a teacher, my father's a teacher, my grandmother's a teacher, my brother's a teacher. Me, I worked in finance. I don't know what that says, but this is why I put a puzzle up. Please, go ahead. Oh, it's okay, my mom's a teacher too. There you go. Well, they're obviously not two triangles. So, sorry? Oh, okay. And so where does the hole come from? I Tell us more. The long side is not straight. Close. You're, you're on the right track. Anybody, anybody want it? He's just given you a massive clue. Very close. Anybody else? Okay, we're going to come back. I'm going to leave it hanging. I'll come back. My name is Dana. Thank you for that wonderful introduction, and thank you for having me here. I grew up in New York. I am not from the UK originally, but I've lived in London for the past 10 years. Um, I grew up in the financial world at Bernstein, value equity investments, and I started my job just as the tech bubble was at its peak, and I was trying to sell portfolios containing American Standard, which is a toilet manufacturer, to firms, to pension plans who were looking at the Nortels of the world. So that was a really interesting way to start my career. But I left financial services in 2009 because I felt that I wanted to change or help change the industry for the better. So I feel like I have this responsibility. And where does that start for me? That starts with ethics. But I'm not, you know, one of those, hey, let's memorize a list of codes and standards and, you know, I'll, I'll live by that. That's not practical. I'm a business person at the end of the day. And so what I want to talk to you about a little bit today is the business side of ethics. But first of all, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited to be here because I think we have a lot in common, CFA and the actuaries of South Africa. Here you go. Here's one thing we have in common. 15 exams, did I get that right? Okay, to be fair, CFA only has three, so I feel for you guys. Here's the 3 a.m. of a charter holder and an actuary. Here's another one, I mean, it's Af I'm in Africa, so come on. <clears throat> this one made me chuckle. It could be, hey mom, by the way, not just dad. And then finally, my partner Roger happens to be a physicist, and I'm, my background is in financial services, so we always, this is my favorite, I love Gary Larson. Gary Larson is a far side cartoonist, and this is one of my favorites about time is money. 
So let me tell you a little bit about CFA Institute, in case you don't already know. We are a mission-driven, not-for-profit global organization. You probably know us best for the curriculum of the CFA program and that murderous set of exams we torture people with every year. We do a lot more than that. And what this slide is meant to show is we are trying very hard to build an investment profession. And that takes every single one of our members in our 147 societies around the world. So in, in the planet, on planet Earth, we have 137,000 members. Here in South Africa, we have an incredibly strong society with 1,619, that's kind of a precise number, I think that probably is a little bit higher now, that's at the end of 2015, we have 1,619 members, and here's what's really cool, we have 500 charter pendings. Now, charter pendings are people who have passed all three levels of that CFA exam, but they don't yet have the work experience because we require four years of relevant influence over the investment process work experience, they don't yet have that. So, so there's 500 there in the wing. Like you, we have approximately a two-to-one ratio of candidates to members. So we have over 3,230 candidates who sat one of the levels of our CFA exam in 2015. So this is, a really, this is similar to your community. This is an important community in South Africa. Like I said, we're mission-driven. It's not about benefiting the industry, it's about benefiting society as a whole. Three things, ethics, education, and excellence. Okay, why am I here? This is kind of the, the structure of what I'm gonna talk about today, right? So you have ethics. And for me, that drives, that's, that's, there are really two very important interactions here, clients, how do you win clients and how do you keep them? We've talked a lot about that this morning and also we've talked about employees. How do, you, how do you keep people engaged in the ethical dialogue without it getting stale and dry and saying, hey, go memorize a bunch of rules? First thing we're gonna talk about are clients. We did a survey and we talked to over 3,000 retail investors and over 500 institutional investors around the world not just in the US, although we didn't speak to institutional investors in South Africa, forgive me. Um, it's on our website, there's a full report available, it's really interesting, lots of slides, lots of summaries, executive summary is here, but I'm gonna pull some charts from that and talk a little bit about what came out of that survey, because it was all about trust. And trust is a topic that also came up in this morning's panel. First one, how important are ethics? We gave institutional investors a question. We said, tell us, for a variety of investment manager attributes, tell us how important each one is. Check out ethical standards. More important than fees, marginally. Inve institutional investors around the world rated ethical standards or investment managers having ethical standards as more important to them than how much it cost. Not only that, taking it one step further, we then said, and this is a lot to read, what do you expect from investment managers? What would be 
what would you be willing to pay a little bit more for if they demonstrated that characteristic? And then, what are the differentiators working from left to right? Check this out. Here you go. Ethics. Not only is it expected, and I'm going to tell you what the solution for that is in just a sec, it's something they're willing to pay more for. Now, when I put my business hat on, this becomes quite interesting, because I think if we, as we, as an investment industry, can demonstrate to institutional investors that we have these characteristics, that's, that's business. And that business is sticky, because it's about trust. That's about relationships. I'm a psychologist by training. This, to me, is where the opportunity is. So what we've done at CFA Institute, this is totally free, we're not for profit, right? We charge for three things, our three exams. That's it. Everything else, we want to give away. We've written what we call the Asset Manager Code of Conduct. Over 1,300 asset managers around the world have signed up and say, we adhere to these standards. It's not a compliance code. It's not a regulatory code. It's how you as an asset manager, or how your asset management firms that you work with will conduct themselves in relation to the clients they serve. It's free. It's not beholden to any government or any regulator. If your asset managers that you're working with do not have this, ask them why not. Certainly, if you're a pension investor. So we're making progress, right? Things like the asset manager code, things like teaching ethics in our programs. We're making progress. We asked in institutional investors to rate how trustworthy businesses in a variety of industries are. Now, I, I hate to say this, but which one's the lowest one? Yeah. Now, we've made progress. In 2012, we were 43%, only 43% said they trust us. 51% were making progress but we've got work to do. We asked another question. We said, what is the likelihood or how likely do you think another financial crisis is in the next three years? Now, if you look at, you see most of this is retail. We did a lot of work with the retail. There were over 3,000 respondents, They're very nervous. If you look at the retail investors, around 30%, about a third of people said there's going to be, we think there's going to be an investment crisis, another one, in the next three years. And then we said, how prepared do you think your investment managers are to deal with the crisis? not even 50% on the institutional side of the business. Now, I don't know how this sits with you, but all the work that we do to talk to our clients, to tell them what to expect, what the downside is, what's going to happen, communication is so critical, and we do a pretty good job. The fact that they are very skeptical about our ability to handle a crisis, we have work to do. So what do, what do we do? Not only that, but look at here's so there's one more piece of pressure for you before I get to some sort of solution. 
we ask them, what will your behavior be? What will you do in a crisis? What will you do? And almost a third said they're going to reevaluate their firm, their investment manager. They're going to reevaluate. Take a look. How is that firm managing me through a crisis? I didn't expect much from them. Are they delivering anything? Are they delivering value? Do I keep them? What do I do? Is this a surprise to anyone? Is this interesting? Any reactions to this? Oh, I forgot to say. Oh, shoot. Um, I'm a big fan of kind of interactive, interactive social media education. Um, so, you know, I, I love, I, I remember going to conferences 10 years ago, right? And everyone would put away their Nokia cell phone. You know, that, they put away their Nokia cell phones and listen very intently. There were no iPads, there were no computers, there were no laptops. were like, you know, opening jaws on your desk. Um, please, take out, your, take out your mobile phones, take out your laptops, get them on the desk, use them, tweet, Twitter. Do you have a reaction to something? Is there something you want to say? Is there a question that you have? Do you want to complain about it? Like, this woman doesn't know what she's talking about. Get out your, and tweet. The, you can twit, tweeter, Twitter, Twitter. Um, CFA Institute is the handle for CFA Institute. Or you can tweet at hashtag CFA difference and you will be communicating with a community of those 130,000 professionals around the world. So please, take out your cell phones, look around, see what's going on. In fact, if I see you looking at me, you make me nervous. So, Anyway, back to the task at hand. All right, so how do we, how do we deal with, how do we deal with this reevaluation process, right? Okay, crisis comes along, you're sitting there, you're saying, how do I, as an asset manager, how do I, as an investment consultant, Make sure that my clients feel comfortable about the work that I'm providing, the services that I'm providing to them. It's about the people. It's about you. It's about the people who you work with. It's about the people who you've trained. It's about your, your management team, your decision-making team. It's about you sitting at your desk saying, how do I convey my trustworthiness? It's very practical. It's about employee, us, commitment and trust. And for me, I started out by saying my parents, my whole family are teachers, it's about education. Now, I come from an education institute, so I'll talk a little bit about the education that we go around the world telling people. You've got the CFA program, which is about security analysis. A couple stats, 900 hours, three years, lots of qualifications. You've got the CIPM program, which is about portfolio analysis. So, so valid understanding portfolio performance. And then you've got the newest little, it's very small, it's like planet Pluto. Uh, you've got the newest program, which is Claritas. Claritas is completely qualitative, and it's about understanding the investment business. What are the pieces? Who are the players? How do they fit together? You don't need to know how to bootstrap a yield curve to pass Claritas, but you do need to know why and how all of the pieces of the investment industry, as we understand it, work together. So one of the ideas that I have here is, can this be useful to your trainees, to your graduates, to your trustees that you work with, to give them enough of an understanding about the industry so they can ask questions, empower them to ask questions, you know, I, I, can't, I used to teach at Aviv Investors. I used to stand up in front of a room 
and teach lay trustees or member appointed trustees. I used to teach them about what's a stock, what's a bond, how do they work in a portfolio. So that when their asset manager came in, their, their, their beauty parade of asset managers came in, they could stand up in front of those asset managers and say, you know, I don't, don't, quite, don't quite follow what you're saying there or don't quite believe what you're saying there, Mr. Asset Manager. Tell me more. That challenge, that dialogue that is so critical to the dialogue that the asset management industry and the pension industry have to have. One of the reasons why I'm standing here is empower, let's empower those trustees. But after all, I'm here to talk about ethics. And right now on the screen, you see the number of hours of ethics study that you would be required to do to pass each of our exams. So for the CFA program, keep in mind it's 900 hours overall, 900 hours of study. Uh, 135 of those hours we would expect you to have to dedicate to the ethics section of each exam. And it's in every single exam. We're serious about this stuff. And the questions are hard. They're tough. People always complain. You have the brilliant, brilliant analytical thinkers who sit and they study and they study and they understand every last bit of the CFA body of knowledge. And they come up to me at a cocktail party and they say, your ethics questions aren't fair. Okay, uh, let's, let's have a chat, right? So actually, you have to, you don't just know and respond back. You have to understand. You have to think about the practical applications, what this means. What does it mean to put a client first, really? What does it mean to, to put your investment firm before your own interests? What does that really mean? And we push. It's tough. And not only that, you, you don't just get to have the CFA charter, CFA letters after your name and call it a day. Every single year, every single year that you want to continue to be a member of CFA Institute, you have to reaffirm that you follow this code of ethics and professional standards. And if someone says, oh, John Smith over there, mm -mm -mm, he hasn't followed his code of ethics and standards, we will kick him out. Just like you, we have a professional conduct program that reviews cases and will kick people out of the CFA. We will revoke their charter. What we talked about this morning, we said, look, there have to be consequences for non-compliance. Right? We want people to, to follow these in the spirit, not just a box-ticking exercise, of course, but there have to be consequences. And so if you are not ethical, after a thorough review, you're done. We're serious. And we have 130,000 of those people every year who reaffirm their adherence to the Code of Ethics and Standards. And if you haven't read it, it's, it's a two-pager. It's, it's easy. It's on our website. It's free. If you don't have a Code of Ethics and Standards in your organization, and you, and you think this one might fit the bill, I'll give you some copies. Put them on desks. Why not? Start a movement in your own organization, in your own team. Here's why I get excited. I like connecting dots. It's what I do, right? I'm a psychologist. Putting weird ideas together. This is not such a weird idea. This is the CFA Society of South Africa and the Actuarial Society of South Africa. I think there are great things these two organizations can do together. It's just a question of where do you want to go? 
Where do you want to take this industry? Where do you, how do you want your profession and the investment profession to be viewed in South Africa? You, uh, the people sitting in this room, combined with the CFA Society of South Africa, you are consummate investment professionals. Use that. CPD, right? We attend your events, you attend ours. Cross-share. Get, get out of some of the silos that we get into, being very, very good at specializing in the things that we talk about and think about. Get a different perspective. Go chat to people who you don't normally get a chance to talk to. I, someone commented to me earlier, they said, well, you know, I'm a CFA charter holder, and I'm, I'm part of CFA Society South Africa, and I don't know that many people in this room. I said, I think we have a problem. Events, right? Let's attend each other's events. You can do Claritas. I have to put in a plug for Claritas. It's great. Even, even if you don't want to sit the exam, it makes a great desk reference. There are two books. You can buy them on Amazon. We're, you know, we're, we're, we want to get this out there. This is not a revenue generator. We're not for profit. We want to get this program out because we think it will impact people's ability to understand how the industry works and avoid some of the pitfalls that happens when we get overly siloed and overly focused. Consult with each other. Twin Peaks. Trustee requirements. All this stuff coming out. It's all changing. FSB. All these things are kind of, they're, they're in flux. They're fluid. They're, they're constantly being reshaped. Uh, you know, I, I learned the other day, we don't really get this stuff exported to the UK, but someone said to me two, two things. They said, Nene Gate and 912. And I looked at them like, I, I, what, what do you want me to do? And I, I had no idea, but, but these, it's, all, it's, all this, it's all this opportunity. Elections coming up. Consult with each other. Your, your two bodies of incredible expertise. Bring them together. Have a dialogue. And then some of, the things, some of the things that Jeremy was talking about this morning with the SMEs and young entrepreneurs, mentor. The expertise in this room is off the chart. Young people trying to start businesses, fintech, ideas. What did Jeremy say? They're going to follow the money to Switzerland and those other nice places to live. Don't let them do that. Mentor them here. Bring them under the wing. Show them what it is. To, to, to run a business, to understand the business well enough to, to help them shape it so that they're the next leaders of tomorrow. It starts when they're, I mean, young. By the time they get to our age, we're toast. It's too late. Maybe I should speak for myself. Sorry, guys. Okay, the other opportunity. And we're in the after-lunch slump, so I'm going to ask you to do something in just a sec of millennials. Millennials are huge, right? Literally, huge. Everybody stand up. It's going to be fun. This is an after-lunch stretch. Can't have you falling asleep. Thank you. Thank you for humoring me. I know you've got like laptops on your lap, quite literally. It's okay. Okay. If you were born, if you're in the mature category, which means you're born before 1945, have a seat. I won't make you stand. That's probably rude. Okay. Good. Now we're going to find out everybody's age. This is where it gets really fun, right? Okay. If you're a boomer, 1945 to 1960, have a seat. Ha. Huh. All right. Get ready for the painful generation, Gen X. Have a seat, born 61 to 80. Nice. All right, millennials. You are absolutely the future of ethics in this industry. You are, because watch. I'm going to tell you all about yourself. You didn't know this, right? I'm going to tell you about yourselves. Oh, yes, please sit down. <laughs> You're young. You can stand. 
here you go. Here's what's really cool. And, and this, this isn't my research. The reason why I have these logos up here, these firms have done some incredible research about millennial behavior. You didn't know. You're so fascinating, millennials, that firms are dedicating millions of rand pounds dollars to doing research on you. So here's what's cool. You are very picky when it comes to who you work for because you are, by and large, driven by the big picture. What is this, and please, I hope somebody's nodding their head at this point, because I completely got it wrong, if not. But you're driven by the big picture. You want, the, you want more meaning. You want your firm to have a purpose. Not just, hey, I want to show up, make money, and go home. I want to change something for the better. And for the people who manage millennials, so all those lovely Gen Xers and the boomers, they have a very, relative to other generations, a very low tolerance for unethical behavior. Millennials are much more likely to report when they see unethical behavior. Now, that's not to say that you should all be like watching your back because there's a millennial out there ready to get you. Use it as an opportunity to change your firm, to change our business for the better. You have this entire generation, and they're important. They're a big generation. Use that. Leverage that. Nurture that. Because the other thing that millennials really want are structure, pathways, very clear pathways, and mentors. So if you don't already think about, in your own organization, mentoring your millennials, your new hires, think again. Because there's an opportunity here to harness people who want to make our industry and the future and society genuinely a better place. There's some great motivations here. Use that. Show them a pathway, doing exams, going to CPD, learning more, challenging, learning from each other, creating networks. Use that. And that is all I have to say. So what I would love to do now is open it up to some questions. I hope you have some really crazy things to throw at me, because I, I, have, I have lots to say. So please. And then I'll, anybody want me to go back to the puzzle? Okay, I'll do that in a sec. Questions over here. Was there a question? Nope, just kidding. Any questions? Can we, we didn't have any on the, on the app either. That's okay. <laughs> I'll be at the cocktail party later. You can tell me that I'm totally wrong about millennials. It's okay. Um, but do tweet your thoughts. Tell me what you think. Engage with us. We're always happy to chat. All right, I'll go back to the puzzle. Everybody's just waiting for the puzzle. Oh, question. I'll keep going. Back to the puzzle. Hi. So there's a generation that sits past the millennials. They've released, it's the only, it's the um, Gen generation, Z. Yes. generation Z. Yes. So how, have they done any research on that generation? I haven't, I haven't read anything. I'm, I'm quite focused on millennials right now because those are our, our workforce at the moment. Those are the people who are coming in looking for new jobs. It's a great question. And I think if I come back here in, in a year or two, we'll have a lot to say. Because I think the Gen Z will face a very, a very interesting and different workforce, certainly from a corporate perspective. So it'll be fascinating to see. Thanks. Sir in the back. Oh, sorry. Hi, oh. yeah. So, um, just a question from my side. 
Um, how do you reconcile the strong focus of ethics that the CFA have with the behavior of, for example, the big banks and the big stockbroking firms on Wall Street? Because, I mean, I having, having been through the ethics um, course content and you know, having been CIO at an entity that subscribed to the CFA Code of Ethics, you can't reconcile that to the behaviors that you see on, on you, the part of the bank. You can't, and it's, it's a great question. Um, I'll, I'll tell you a, a story from the road. I sat down with a group of, uh, and I'm not characterizing all investment bankers like this, so please don't, don't misunderstand me, but I sat down with a group of investment bankers because their management asked me to come in and talk to them a little bit about CFA program and ethics and what it stood for. And, and they said, there is no incentive for us to be ethical. And I said, well, that's, that's a really bold statement. And this was a small group of people, right, small group. Um, but I think what's happening is that a couple things on the investment banking side of the business in particular are causing a lot more pressure. And I think people are looking for relief from that pressure, not in what, doing what's right, but in doing what they need to to survive. And so what we are trying to do at CFA Institute is actually, funnily enough, we're focusing on asset managers only. So buy side and not the sell side. Because we think the sell side has a lot of changing and growth and learning to do on their own. And so right now, we are focusing only on asset management. It's a good question, though. Next, yes. I think you may already have answered my question in response to the previous, uh, previous question. But I, I, one of your early statistics was that 68% of, uh, uh, of institutions, institution investors, I think it was, yeah. um, had uh, put uh, ethics at the top of their list. Yeah. Well, I'm, I have to tell you, I don't believe them. Okay. <laughs> um, no, it, it wasn't the top of their list. It wasn't a rating. Let me, let me go back. Because right. you're, you're asking a very good question, and, it's, and I understand where you're, what you're There it is. This wasn't in relation, this is, wasn't a ranking. No. It's not a ranking. All right. This is saying, is it or is it not important to you? If it is, right. how important is it? Nevertheless. Good, good question. Um, uh, my own experience, uh, and by the way, I'm both. I'm both an actuary and a CFA. Okay. My own experience uh, of this when I was in the asset management industry was that uh, many institutional investors uh, are not interested in that. They are interested. They have their own interests, um, and they pursue them. Uh, and it's like uh, every, every vision and mission statement you've ever seen. What's at the top? Integrity. Mm. How do we get through this? Mean? How do we get past this? My short answer to that is you, you tie it to the bottom line. It's at the end of the day, maybe this is cynical, but I agree with you. Right? I've worked in asset management firms. I've talked to a lot of pension plans. You say, I'm all about ethics. I'm all about integrity. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We want a good return. We want good, good things to happen for our investors. See you later. Right? Happens all the time. I think until we can actually make a very fine connection, very clear, very fine connection between what it means to have integrity, what it means to be ethical, and tie that to money in the bank, which I think we can do. I just think we have to work at it. And we have to tell that story, that message, over and over again. Look at ESG. Look at ESG investing. Look how much that's changed a lot of what happens in the industry. People said, oh, ESG. Yeah, 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 you're doing great things, but you're not going to make me any money. That's completely 
in, in the world that I come from, certainly if you look at the big Netherlands pension plans, that's completely shifting. So I agree with you. I think we have work to do. I think a pra pragmatic approach is tied to the bottom line. We have to be creative and figure out a way to do that. Thanks. Just a question from my side. Yep. Um, so you had the slide on saying that time is money. Yep. Einstein, and very like few Einstein. of us, and I'm sure it's, it's where you come from as well, very little time can be spent, especially for trustees on training. So how do you marry the ethical side with limited time? I, I think you, you do both at the same time, right? Because we don't, we don't think about investments or a business in a vacuum. We don't sit down and say, today, I'm going to learn only about ethics. And today, I'm only going to learn about what a bond is. And then today, I'm only going to learn about what Investec can do for my pension plan, right? We don't think about those three things separately. We mush them all together. So, okay, let's mush them all together. How, if, if we don't tell the story of what it actually is and how it actually works, then we can't, we can't change anything. So when you sit down and have that conversation, say, right now, I'm going to wear my hat and say, here's a potential conflict of interest. Here's a potential ethical pitfall. We're going to manage around it in the following way because we have to, but it's the right thing to do because ultimately, here's the benefit for the end investors. So you, so you have to integrate them. Yeah, sorry. That's probably, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but it, it's, it's not easy to do. Thanks. Are there any more questions? Great, thank you very much. Oh, oh. one, one last question and then we'll close. Uh, hi. Um, you talk about people prepared to pay for an, an, ethic, or an ethical standard in a firm. Is it not a case of everyone's ethical until proven otherwise in the market? Because unless there's a public scandal, how would you say you could measure ethics? It, it, you, great question. It's hard to measure. But I would say if we are going to be investment professionals, we need to get in front of that. I don't want to wait until someone calls up my organization and says, we're about to fine you. Oh, it's too late. You've lost, you've lost the game, in my opinion. I think you get out in front and you, from day one that a person starts at your firm, from the first meeting that you have with a potential investor, you talk about what it means to integrate ethical thinking into everything that you do. It's part of your DNA. And I think that way we start, we start to get people to think about our business as a good business. Yes, there will always be, you're never going to have it perfect. I mean, that, just, that doesn't exist, right? But I think you, you have to go on the front foot rather than the back foot. And I think our industry, similar to the investment bank question, we're on the back foot, we're still on the back foot. I know that you didn't face the financial crisis here in South Africa the same way that we did, say, in the US or the UK. But I am still digging, helping asset managers dig out of holes where they've been painted with the same brush as investment banks. And it's just not the case. And so that's, it's hard, we're on the back foot. Thanks. Thank you very much. Thanks, Dana. Should I tell you what the answer is? Okay, here you go. So if you look right here, do you see how this line, these all come together right here? This is my visual clue. And if you go down that same line here, do you see how it's just over the line? It's just an optical illusion. This triangle, and it is actually a triangle, but, but that's okay. It, this triangle is bigger. And so it's really just an optical illusion, but it's, the, it, the point is, 
you know, we, we think we know, we think we see, we think we understand, we think, but you have to really look. I, I don't know about you guys, I spent, I spent an hour counting boxes, trying to figure out what the, what the volume, this, um, the area of. Anyway, so that's the solution. Thank you for having me.